Hey everyone, uh, welcome to this week of, of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week in Come Follow Me, we'll, we are studying just three chapters, Mormon chapters 7, 8, and 9. We're going to kind of leave behind a narrative, a story for now. Uh, we'll get back into kind of a story as Moroni tells us the history of the Jaredite people in Ether. But for now, uh, we're going to be pretty doctrinally heavy in these chapters, um, teaching about the doctrine of Christ and faith and miracles and uh, the importance of the record and the importance of the Book of Mormon. Uh, those are just a few of the, the doctrinal points that uh, Mormon and Moroni highlight in these chapters. Chapter 7 is Mormon's last chapter that he wrote for us. Now Moroni, his son, writes a few uh, chapters and words for us from his father Mormon in Moroni's, Moroni chapters 7, 8, and 9. But in Mormon 7, it's the last kind of uh, section that Mormon wrote for us. Uh, these these chapters, on the heels of Mormon 1 through 6, and as we read in chapter 6, the just utter annihilation of the Nephite people that Mormon recorded for us, uh, you, you can really feel the sadness uh, of Mormon, of and especially of Moroni, uh, as we read specifically the first 12 to 13 verses of, of chapter 8. Um, and that's one of the things that the Come Follow Me manual highlights specifically, is that Mormon and Moroni knew what it felt like to be alone in a wicked world, and more especially Moroni. Uh, he tells us that he is alone, and there there's no one else. There's he's literally all alone. He's witnessed the death of his family, the death of the death of his father, the death of his nation, all of his people, all of his friends, and he's alone. So like not even just like figuratively, like oh I'm I'm alone in a crowded room, which is a real sensation, a real feeling of depression, right? But here's a guy who literally felt what it was like to be alone in a wicked world. But the Lamanites and these other and the other civilizations were still abound, around, but abounding in wickedness. And here he was, the last of a, of a nation, the last of Nephite, and all alone. And you can feel his sadness, like I said, in the first few verses of Mormon chapter 8. But, uh, he, I mean, so, uh, well, I say but, but actually, so I was going to read uh, what he wrote. He said, I... He's, uh, after they were all destroyed, he wrote, I even remain alone. I have not friends nor whither to go. He doesn't, he doesn't even know, like, there's just nowhere to go. What is he going to do? And as the manual says, things may have seemed hopeless. And could you blame him for feeling hopeless? Could you blame him for being down and depressed? I, I, no, I don't think we can. But Moroni found hope. And where did he find hope? He found hope in his testimony of the Savior. He found hope in the words of his father, uh, and in the testimony of his father, that his dad had sent him these letters, and in those letters we get like Moroni chapter seven, right? That is all about faith and hope and charity, and even the last uh, uh, chapter that Moroni writes for us, Moroni chapter ten, is full of hope and being perfected in Christ, and so. There's this momentary, and it, it actually lasts a few years, and you'll see if you read uh, in the hard copy of the Book of Mormon where you can easily see the timeline 
it lasts a few years between uh, the beginning of Mormon chapter eight and then later on, but something changes in in Moroni, and he that fire of hope, the fire of faith is is stoked and rekindled, and it burns brighter than it probably ever had, and you can see that through the rest of his writings and through. Uh, his dedication and devotion to sharing the story of, of Ether and the Jaredite people with us. And I think one thing we can learn, though, and there's many things, but one thing just in terms of introducing these chapters uh, of Mormon chapter 7, 8, and 9, is that life is hard and it, that it's okay to feel down. Hard things happen and sad things happen and bad things happen. And it's okay to feel down and depressed. Moroni and Mormon felt that way. They join the Book of Mormon characters, uh, for example, like Nephi, who felt down and depressed about his own sinfulness and about his brother's wickedness, uh, about the hardships that he had seen and witnessed and experienced in his life. Alma got sad and down and depressed about his own wickedness, about uh, the rejection of the gospel by the people in Ammonihah. Uh, Joseph Smith, right? These, these great men, these great leaders, these great disciples of Christ got depressed and felt down. And so when you feel yourself getting down and depressed, don't beat yourself up. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest things to do, though. I think that it's one of Satan's, and maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm sharing from personal experience, and maybe you don't experience this, but I, but I think it's a, a common fiery dart of the adversary that when we feel down he wants to try to say oh it's because you're lo- you're a lost cause or because you're bad and the lord doesn't love bad people so just give up and if you're feeling depressed you isn't the gospel the good news isn't is, aren't you supposed to feel joyous because you have the gospel and because you have the atonement the atonement of christ and because you can repent isn't that supposed to bring you joy why why are you just sad why are you depressed and Satan talk, has, uh, gives us those thoughts, and then we have this negative self-talk, right? And we think, oh, I'm the worst. I'm so bad. I'm terrible. And I can't get over this. And when you start to feel like that, remember that Christ himself was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. The best life this world has ever seen got depressed and felt depressed. So don't let Satan tell you that lie. Instead, be like Moroni. In chapter 8, we see that he finds some purpose and he remembers and he focuses back on Christ. And will that always help? Like completely and fully? No. Clinical depression is real and there are chemical imbalances. And uh, Elder Holland, I love Elder Holland um, for many reasons, but one of the reasons is because he speaks he's, he speaks and has spoken many times so directly and poignantly about depression and about that, like, yeah, the gospel helps and it makes things lighter and easier, but sometimes there's other things that are needed. And those other things are gifts from God. They are They are possible because of Christ. And so we should use them. If that means counseling and other things, awesome and great and But my point is that the gospel of Jesus Christ does lighten our load. The atonement does lighten uh, our life because Christ is the light of the world. And as Moroni and Mormon and Nephi and Alma and Joseph Smith felt these, these feelings of depression, where did they turn? 
you know, I feel I feel to turn to Alma uh, chapter 36 to just highlight this. Where did Alma turn? And it came to pass that I was thus racked with torment while I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins. Behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, a son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. Now as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness, and am, in, and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. And now, behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy, as was exceeding, as was my pain. Does that mean he never got depressed and sad again? No, this is a story about his conversion where we can really see him feeling even depressed about the people of Ammonihah is in Alma chapter 8. That, that's after his conversion. That's after he's been the, the high priest uh, and he's acting as the high priest. And guess what? He still got depressed and down. So that's one of the things I got out of this. And maybe maybe it's a self-reflection too much and that I sometimes feel down and depressed and I'm going to be open and honest about that. But I think that I, I, I think it's, a, again, something that common among most people in mortality. And one thing I learned from studying Mormon chapter 7, 8, and 9 was that even though they felt depressed, Mormon and Moroni turned to Christ and Christ lightened their load and lightened their day and lightened their life. And uh, as we learn about them this week and as we talked about Mormon last week, one thing I did want to also share Something I shared on uh, the Facebook page, Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. And I just wanted to uh, share it here. Uh, it is It does relate to last week's readings, but it also relates to uh, the signing off of Mormon and the picking up of the record by Moroni and the type of world that they lived in. Keeping in mind and remembering that these were great men who turned out great, who are critical to the last dispensation. Mormon, the Book of Mormon is named after him. Moroni, ushered in this dispensation by talking to and communing with Joseph Smith and giving him the plates, and he's on the temples everywhere, right? Critical men who lived in terrible times, but how did they end up so good? So here are just some of the thoughts I, I had written down. Um, how did he do it? How did Mormon write Moroni 7? How did he not only write arguably the greatest treatise on charity, but how did he do it with authority? With the authority of one who truly loved as the Savior loved. He invited us to to become perfected in Christ, but how? By the time he was 11, the Nephites and Lamanites were at war. He took command of an army at the age of 16. He saw nothing but war for nearly 25 straight years. There was a brief stop to the warring, but the blood and battles returned. For the final 20 years of his life or more, his people were at war. He ended his life in, in his 70s at the head of an army of people who had brought destruction upon themselves. He fought a losing battle knowing it was a losing battle for a lost people. How? He was surrounded by people who openly mocked God. He worked and served among people who despitefully used him and him and his religion. Somehow he loved them. Somehow he and his he had a son amongst this chaos. He and his wife willingly brought at least one son into a world that he knew was destined for ruin. How? 
He watched his people become extinct. He watched as his people engaged in the most heinously violent and sexual acts. He watched the fair ones complete their fall from grace, yet he was full of love, not anger and hate. How? How did he not allow the anger to consume him? He put Christ before culture. In fact, one could say he adopted the culture of Christ as his own. He rejected the sinful aspects of his people's culture and prioritized Jesus Christ in his life. He was consumed with Christ. He put differences, even very significant ones, aside and focused on the shared heritage as children of God. He focused on his family, writing to his son to ensure that he knew the truth and stayed loyal to it. We live in a world much like Mormons. There is chaos. There are disagreements and differences, even significant ones. We can choose charity. Just like any other commandment, it is a choice. Choose Christ over Republican. Choose Christ over Democrat. Choose Christ over masks. Choose Christ over anti-masks. Yes, there are important issues. However, there is one thing which is of more importance than they all. Christ and his gospel. He is the great unifier. He is the balm that heals. He is the rock and the foundation. And later I shared these thoughts. Greater love hath no man that a man lay down his life for his friends. Mormon, who was without hope for his people, returned to battle. In the eighth decade of his life, he returned to fight alongside his friends and those whom he loved. Despite knowing the cause was lost, despite knowing the wickedness of his neighbors, his friends, and his people, he laid down his life for them. Why? I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. As Mormon abridged the Nephite record and he came across this commandment from the lips of the Savior, I imagine it pierced him. I imagine he felt as though Christ was speaking directly to him. He, Mormon, had had lived among a people who cursed him and his God, a people who hated all that was sacred to him and and despitefully used him and his faith in the God of Israel. Mormon chose to follow this commandment. He chose love. Mask, anti-mask, Trump, anti-Trump, abortion, pro-life, these things cause serious divides. They can engender feelings of indignation, perhaps even righteously. That is not an excuse to to not have charity. Again, Mormon shows us the way. He lived among people in a time where women were raped, murdered, and their flesh were eaten. Women and children were tortured and fed the flesh of their husbands and fathers, and yet Mormon loved them and served them until his final breath. Surely a man who laid down his life for these people had authority on the subject of charity. Surely the man in his seventies who had witnessed a continual scene of wickedness and abominations in his entire life, yet chose to serve the people, could write with power, truth, and conviction on the matter of loving your enemies. Surely the man who witnessed the utter destruction and failure of his entire people could tell us the antidote for despair. If ye have not charity, ye are nothing, for charity never faileth. Wherefore cleave unto charity, which is the greatest of all. For all things must fail, but charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whoso is possessed with it at the last day, it shall be well with him. Choose charity over likes. Choose charity over shared posts. Choose charity over being right. Choose charity over justification. Choose charity over politics. Choose charity over all, because all things must fail. But charity never faileth. So I just want to share that because I think uh, those are the kind of, those, uh, it's my best attempt at sharing my admiration and thoughts for Moroni and Mormon and the men that they were and are despite what was going on around them the love that they had despite what was going on around them the faith and hope that they had despite the despair and and depression and sadness they felt I hope you'll join me this week as we discuss uh, Mormon chapters 7, 8, 9 Uh, what's going to happen here I think is we'll do 
Mormon chapter 7 in one episode and chapters 8 and 9 in another. And uh, I think we'll have a great uh, little discussion about this week's Come Follow Me. I hope you'll join me. And thanks for joining me uh, each week. I, re- I truly appreciate it. And so in, in the meantime, uh, best of luck in your studies. And I'll talk to you soon.